0: Are you guys ready? All right. So, if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 18. Today, I want to talk about the kingship of Jesus. He is King Jesus. If we are waiting around for someday in the future for him to be crowned king then we are living in a powerless mindset. And it will limit our capacity to impact the world. And it will rob us of some of the victory that he bought for us, okay? Jesus didn't come to this world to be crowned king. (laughs) He came to reveal himself as king, okay? But he wasn't a king that anyone was looking for. So, eventually, the chief priest and the high priest and the teachers of the law had Jesus arrested and tried. And after their trial, they took, him over, they took him and handed him over to the Roman governor of Jerusalem, Pilate. And when they did, they said, "This We have found this man guilty of subverting our nation. He opposes paying taxes to Caesar, which wasn't true, and he claims to be Christ a king, okay? This was the charge for which they handed him over. So, let's pick up in John chapter 18, verse um, 33. So, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, "'Are you the king of the Jews?' Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, it was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate, Jesus answered, you are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, it was for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover, do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Okay? After this, Pilate took him back in and had him beat and put the crown of thorns on his head. And he came back out and he tried again to get Jesus released. And they, they didn't want him released. So let's pick up in John chapter 19, uh, verse 14. It was the day of the preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, take him away, take him away and crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked, we have no king but Caesar the chief priests answered. And so finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Okay? So how, how did this happen? You know, we read this and we think, man, how did, how did this happen? And a lot of people will look and they'll make the Jews the bad guy in this scenario. But actually, if we look closer, we see that all of humanity is guilty In this moment okay so let me give you a little bit of a history let's back up and look at the big picture a little bit so that we can better understand what's happening in this moment okay so rome was an empire that ruled over most of the known inhabited world at the time okay caesar was the title for the emperor of rome Now, the Roman method for execution, known as crucifixion, was used as a deterrent for anyone who would try to assert their will against the will of Rome. Okay? So they would take these these criminals who usually led an armed rebellion or an insurrection against Rome, and they would hang them on a public cross so that everyone who walked by would see that the will of Rome cannot be subverted. Okay? You understand so far? Okay, so, um, so they, would, they, would, they, would, they would want the people to know the will of Rome cannot be subverted. And if you attempt to assert your will against the will of Rome, this will be your end. Okay, this was what Barabbas was accused of. He had led an armed insurrection in the city of Jerusalem where people had died. Most likely Roman soldiers. Okay, does that make sense so far? Okay, this was common place in Israel at the time. Because Israel believed, according to the prophet Daniel, that their Messiah was going to arise at any moment. And when he came, his kingdom would be everlasting, and it would never end, and it would become a mountain that filled the whole earth, okay? So there were several leaders before Jesus and during the time of Jesus and after Jesus that would rise up and claim to be the Messiah. And they would lead an army against Rome, believing that God would give them the victory and establish Israel as a kingdom who would rule over the nations of the earth, Okay, this was, the, this was what Barabbas was accused of. Barabbas was somewhat of a hero to the people. And if you ask Barabbas, he would probably say that he believed in the promises of God, and that is why he was doing what he was doing. Okay? Now, the influential religious leaders of the time, they did not participate in or condone these armed r- insurrections. Rather, instead, they chose to gain influence with Rome and keep the peace, okay? Hence why they said, we have no king but Caesar, okay? Are you guys okay so far? So what we have in this picture is we have Jesus saying that for this reason, I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth, to reveal myself as king, to establish my kingdom and, and, um, but my kingdom is not of this world, okay? But then you have the people saying, um, rejecting him, this is not the king we wanted, because he, this isn't the deliverer we wanted, okay? The people shouted, give us Barabbas, give us the revolutionary who will go and fight Rome for our freedom, And the chief priest priest shouted, give us Caesar, the one who gives us peace and the one that we can gain influence with. That's the deliverer we want. But they rejected Jesus because he wasn't the deliverer they wanted. Truth and everlasting freedom and the deliverer they needed was right in front of them. Jesus was was standing there in the middle, looking them in the eye, and he was at that moment establishing his kingdom, but they couldn't see him because he wasn't the deliverer they wanted, okay? You guys okay so far? Does that make sense? (laughs) Okay, so I think that this isn't just something that happened one time thousands of years ago. I believe that we have decisions, we face decisions every day where we can choose to see Jesus as king or to reject his kingship because he's not the deliverer we want. Okay? There are times when by our words or by our actions or by our intentions that our voices can be heard in the chorus of give us Barabbas or we have no king but Caesar. Okay, let me explain. Are you guys ready? (laughs) Okay, first, Jesus is not the deliverer we want when we dictate the terms of our own deliverance. Okay, Jesus was not the deliverer they wanted because they had already decided who their king would be and what he would look like and what his kingdom would look like before he ever came. They had taken certain scriptures and they had created a picture of the deliverance they thought should happen based on their current circumstances. Okay? Does that make sense? So when Jesus came and walked among them, they couldn't see him because they already had their eyes fixed on the picture that they wanted. Okay, does that make sense? They couldn't see what he was revealing to them because they already thought that they had the answer. So they stopped looking. Okay, does that make sense? We do the same thing. We take certain scriptures and we create a picture of what we think deliverance looks like according to our circumstances and we pray for that. But when that doesn't happen then we think, Jesus just didn't show up. Or I must not have prayed hard enough, or I must have done something wrong. Okay, does that make sense? Or a Barabbas scenario comes along, and we're invited to fight against that person that's making us miserable. Or to fight against others so that we feel more powerful. Okay? Or a Caesar scenario comes along where we're invited to compromise in order to gain influence or to experience peace. Come on. And so when those scenarios present themselves, we jump on it and we say, that's the deliverance I want. That must be Jesus. But we never ask him Come on. because that's the deliverance we want. Come on. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are you guys okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sometimes even at the end, if we think that we've been victorious, we'll give Jesus the credit for it, but we never ask him, because we didn't need to, because this was the deliverance we wanted, okay? Does that make sense? All right, so when we live our life from deliverance that we dictate, from one deliverance we dictate to another deliverance we dictate... Without surrendering surrendering ourselves to see Jesus in our circumstances and allow Him to lead us into real and lasting freedom, then Jesus isn't the deliverer we want. Okay, the kingship of Jesus takes us from into continuing realms of glory of continuing to see him, of continuing to see his worth, of continuing to see his kingdom, of continuing to see his power. But when we're always dictating the terms of our own deliverance and we're always thinking, I already have the answer, then we're missing out on going from glory to glory. And of continuing to see more and more of him and continuing to grow in the knowledge of him and continuing to become more and more like him. That is the deliverer we need. Okay? Are you guys okay? All right. Do you see the 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 difference between the deliverer he is and the deliverer we want sometimes? Okay? So that was the first one when we dictate the terms of our own deliverance. Number two, (laughs) Jesus is not the deliverer we want when the deliverance we desire is to be promoted and powerful, okay? Jesus came as a king, but he didn't look like a king to the world because the kings of this world desired to be promoted and powerful. That is how they expanded their kingdom Okay, so the kings of this world would use people as pawns in order to conquer new kingdoms or um, expand their territories, okay? Kings were powerful. Kings were protected. Kings were wealthy. People were pawns. People would pay taxes to make the king wealthy. People would give their lives in battle to make the king victorious, So the people would pay the price for the promotion of the king. Okay, that's the kings of this world. But Jesus came to demonstrate a different kind of king and a different kind of kingdom. And he told his followers, hey, the greatest among you is like one who serves. And I am among you like one who serves. Okay, Jesus, um, well, Israel was looking for a king who would come and assert his will against the will of Rome. And, and Rome was looking to assert their will against the people. And Jesus came and he didn't assert his will at all. He surrendered his will to the Father. Come on. Do you understand that when Jesus died by crucifixion, he was taking the punishment for a person who refused to surrender their will? which was the sin of all humanity wow. when we refused to surrender our will and we asserted our will against the will of heaven wow. but jesus as the king of heaven rather than come and assert his will back on us he came and stepped into our place and said i will take that punishment of you surrendering your will wow. yeah. so not so that i can be not so that i can be individually promoted but so that I can promote you. So Jesus, rather than desire individual promotion, rather than the the people paying the price to promote the king, the king paid the price to promote the people. Do you see the difference? Okay, does that make sense? Rather than seeing people as pawns, Jesus saw them as treasures and he saw them, he empowered them to also be kings like him. Wow. Okay, does that make sense? Yes. So when, uh, when the deliverance that we want is motivated by a desire to be promoted and powerful, that's not the deliverance that Jesus offers. The deliverance Jesus offers gives us a desire to build something strong and enduring by empowering the people around us, by investing in them what we've been given, by seeing them as treasures, by seeing them as rich, by expecting them to do greater things than we have done. That's what Jesus told his disciples. You will do greater things than these because that's how he believed in them. Okay? Does that make sense? So, um... Since, since we've started Arise, like, in the last six or seven years, I've had several people come to me, and they say, like, I want to hear your story of being a woman in the church and not having a voice until finally, like, now you have a voice, and I, I always look at them, and I'm like, man, I'm sorry, that's, that's just not my story. like when you I don't like I'm not standing here today because I finally have a voice I've always had a voice and when my voice is surrendered to the king of heaven every stage that he puts in front of me is the only one that matters whether there's one person in front of it or a hundred people in front of it My voice is not stifled or magnified by the size of the stage. Okay? The stage that that King Jesus puts in front of us is the most significant, it's the most powerful, it's the most important stage that you could ever step on. Okay? Does that mean? It's not about being promoted or powerful or being seen. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay? And let me say this because this is really important. And I've said this before, but I don't think it can be said enough. There's been so many stages over the years that, that, that Jesus has put in front of me to invest in, to speak into, to pray for, and to champion the leadership of men. Yes, amen. And I would not be standing here, right here today, in this place, if it were not for the leadership of men. Amen. Nor would I want to okay the rise of women's voices in the church should not come outside of or at the expense of the leadership of men Amen. okay Amen. yes all right it's about a family yes. Yes. Amen. that's the price he paid yes. okay does that make sense all right number three Jesus is not the deliverer we want when we trade our authority for accusation. Um, I'll say that again. Jesus is not the deliverer we want when we trade our authority for accusation. Jesus came as king, but he also came as one of us. And as one of us, he, um, he paid a price he won a victory for us. He paid a price to make us victorious, to empower us, to make us kings, to make us co-heirs with him, to, to make it not just his kingdom, but our kingdom. Yeah, come on. Okay? Does that make sense? His kingship makes us powerful. And sometimes I think that we're sitting around and we're looking at Jesus and we're asking him to come down and do something really dramatic and powerful that he's already empowered us to do. Yes. Does that make sense? Like we're looking around sometimes at like, who can I who can I blame for my circumstances? Like I can blame myself. I can blame this person over here, I can blame those in authority, I can blame my parents, like, I can blame all these people for the circumstances that I'm in, and I can blame God, God, like, you just didn't, you didn't come, like, I asked you to come, and you didn't come, like, where were you, and so many people get upset with God, God, where were you, why didn't you come, and God is looking at us saying, like, I'm inside you, yeah, yeah, I'm inside you. Like, I believe in you. I'm encouraging you. I've paid a price for you. I've given you the victory. When are you going to stand up and realize what you have, the authority you have to make a difference? Okay, does that make sense? Sometimes it's not the deliverance we want because it would be so much easier if, like, God could <laughs> just calm down and with his very Godmother wand just fix everything. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? But that he believes in us too much for that. Yeah. Okay? It's not the deliverer he is the deliverer he is as he said i made you victorious i made you powerful i've given you authority stop trading your authority for accusation that won't get you anywhere accusation partners with the enemy the enemy is known as the accuser we'll never get anywhere if we're partnering with accusation whether it's self-accusation or the accusation of others it doesn't matter whose fault it is we have authority to overcome okay we'll never get anywhere if we're still trying to figure out whose fault it is okay does that make sense okay so several years ago, I've told this story before, it's been a while. This marked my life. Several years ago I was sitting in a church service at a church and it wasn't my church where I normally went, but I would go there from time to time uh for big services because there was a move of God that was happening there and it was it was just a fun place to go and experience the Lord. So one night I was sitting in the service and they had just they had been through a lot of changes and I hadn't been in a while and I was sitting in the service, and it just was not the same, and you could tell, like, whatever move of God was happening, it's just not here anymore, and I, I don't like feeling things like that. It just it makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't, uh, and so I'm just like, I just, I just want to leave. I just want to, like, like, sneak out the back and just forget, just forget everything, <laughs> you know, and so, like, I start to get up to slip out the back because I was, like, sitting close to the back. And it was like the Lord came and He put my put His hand on my shoulder. He's like, "Sit down." I'm like, "Okay, (laughs) like sit down." And I didn't know why He was telling me to sit down. And so I sat there and I just got more uncomfortable. So I tried to pray and that wasn't working. And so I'm like, "Okay, Lord, like, what am I doing? Like, when? Like, why am I sitting here? When can I go? When can I get out of here?" And the Lord said, "I want you to sit here." until you love this church like I love this church until you realize that this is my bride and I laid my life down for her and my name is above her door and I love her see the deliverance I wanted was to escape to say it's not my problem to say like well that's somebody else's problem it's not my problem But that's not the deliverer he is. He said, I've given you authority in this situation, but you can't use that authority until you learn to love. Until you see like I see. Until you see the treasure that I see. Does that make sense? That's the deliverer he is. That's how much he believes in us. Okay? Does that make sense? All right, you guys can stand up. <laughs> um, Pop, you can play something, it doesn't matter. I, um, I think just there's no shame in wanting the deliverance we want. But today is an opportunity to just lay all that down and to see him as King Jesus. And to see like, I believe in you way more than you know that I do. And you are more powerful than you know. We get a hold of the vision of the glory of King Jesus, and that he, he has, he has put us in position to partner with victory on the earth, not to take, not to take, um, physical ground although that, that's that's part of it it's about people and we say that all the time but it's it's about people do you do you see the person in front of you as the most important person in the most strategic moment that you could have because it's one person but when you speak to that one person, it's like speaking to a thousand and a thousand and 10,000 times 10,000 because that person will impact another person, will impact another person, will impact another person. And that's how the kingdom grows. We have to stop letting the world dictate the terms of deliverance. They don't know how to do it. They can only offer something temporary. We hold the solution. For permanent, everlasting deliverance. We have the deliver inside of us. We have to get a hold of how much he believes in us and how much he has put in our hands. So I just I just want us to just take a few minutes and uh Just ask him to take the blinders off. Ask him to erase the pictures that you thought, I was looking at a picture instead of looking at King Jesus. And I want you to take that picture away until I see King Jesus. Get our eyes on his eyes and off the picture. Because when our eyes are on his eyes, that picture will change into the most glorious, beautiful thing you could never have imagined in your whole life. That's King Jesus. He is King. He is King today. He is King of your heart. He is King in your heart. He is King of the world. But his kingdom doesn't originate from this world, but it originates out of this world but it fills this world as the waters cover the sea that this is the inheritance of the Saints of the Lord take you higher sometimes when your focus is on the earth and in the earthly realm and you start to ascend sometimes it gets cloudy you just hang on until you get above the clouds and you see like he sees hold up a mirror for you to see how he sees you.